0: A few announcements that we need to make is that um, we're going to be having a baptismal service, and there's a sheet out on the bulletin board where you can put your name down if you'd like to be baptized. And to be baptized as a believer is giving public testimony of your faith. It's not necessary for your salvation, but it is giving public testimony of your faith. And it's an opportunity for you to invite friends and family, and maybe even some unbelievers that you know, to come to witness your baptism and to hear a message of salvation. So there's a sign-up sheet, put your name down if you'd like to be baptized. And also, there's a sign-up sheet for the adult dinner, and we're going to the retreat. And so when you get a chance, um, put your name on there, because we need to know how many are coming in order to make proper reservations. And also, I want you to keep in mind, is uh, starting in September, mid-September, we're going to be doing a study on the book of Revelation, using the book of Revelation made plain and clear. And there are copies out on the desk you can purchase, or you can go online and Amazon or wherever, and you can also purchase a copy. And we're working on a workbook that will be for free. We're just going to give it to people in order to go through with the book. We're living in amazing times. We're living in times that all of the prophecies are being fulfilled. We're living in a time that Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. And there's never been a time, I believe, in history that understanding the book of Revelation is more important. It's the only book we see in the Bible where a promise is given to those who read it, study it, and also hear it. And so, blessed are those, it says. So I really encourage you to set that time aside. It's going to be on Wednesdays. We're going to be having it right here in the auditorium. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting it like we do our morning services so people who are at home or who can't make it, or if you're like me, when it starts to be cold weather and it gets dark early, you can't drive at night because you can't see. Anyway, there you go. Um, So open your Bibles with me to chapter 12 of Joshua Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your word, because as it says in your word, your word is truth. And Lord, it's only the truth that can set us free. And so come by your Holy Spirit and minister these portions of Scripture to our understanding, Lord, that it might make us more faithful witnesses of you in the times in which we live. And so now, Father, I pray and ask for your anointing, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that the words I speak would be your words and not my own. And now come and minister to each one individually and personally, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, as I mentioned uh, last week, uh, we're not going to be reading every single verse because so much of it is rep, rep, you know, repetitive. And I'm actually going to be covering two chapters today. And so if you have not taken the time, you want to make sure that you read chapter 12 and chapter 13 of Joshua And for next week, you want to be doing the same thing. Read a few chapters ahead so that you understand what's going on when we come together as far as what we're covering. And um, what we're going to be looking at in this portion is the fact that there is a battle that needs to be fought. Each one of us have a battle to fight. And it's the battle of faith. And the battle of faith is one that's going to give us the ability to withstand all of the difficulties that are coming upon this world. And so we're going to be, in chapter 12, we're going to uh, first be looking at the victories Moses secured on the other side of the Jordan after they crossed the Red Sea and before they crossed over into the Promised Land. And so we have to understand that there's an allegorical understanding of everything that we read in the Old Testament. It literally happened in the Old Testament, and there's spiritual application for us in the New Testament. And so crossing over the Red Sea is like a person crossing over into salvation. But then we're in the wilderness of this new land called salvation, and for each one of us it's important to cross over into a time of what we might call sanctification being filled with the Holy Spirit, when we leave all the cares and all the things of this world behind and we cross over into all the promises of God where we're useful to him for ministry. Because understand, brothers and sisters, the most important responsibility you have as a believer is living the life of faith, that you might be a witness to the lost around you. Every one of you are in contact with people I'll never meet, and those sitting next to you will never meet. And so it's your responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ to each one of them. And, um, you know, when you're first saved, there are things that you initially have to deal with. It's like crossing, you know, the, the Red Sea, leaving slavery, and coming into the freedom in Jesus Christ that we have. And when we first come into the kingdom of Christ, when we're first saved, there are certain things that are so obvious that we need to take care of. You know, maybe swearing, or you know, drunkenness, or or you know, uh, just cheating, gossiping, whatever it might be. There are things that we have to deal with that are just you know obvious things, and we need to deal with them. But the reality is, that's just the beginning. Because when we have victories over those areas that we find we are facing in the wilderness, it's only preparing us to cross over the Jordan that we might go into the land of promise and have more usefulness to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 12, and I'm only going to read the first verse, but I'm going to be talking about verses 4 through 6. You know, I just want to say this before we move on. Because of the times we're living in, many Christians are distracted. And let me share with you what I mean. Brothers and sisters, as believers, we are not survivalists. We are not political animals. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are Christians, and our home is in heaven And our king is in heaven. And we have to understand that because there are so many Christians that get distracted about all these things. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got to make sure I store up enough food and I've got to make sure that I have all the equipment if I have to run off into the wilderness because all these things are going to happen and I have to make sure I have enough ammunition that I can kill people in the name of Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? That's not the way we're supposed to behave. We trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether I live or whether I die, it's all Christ. And so we have to understand that. We can't be going around in fear. Fear will paralyze you. I remember there's, there's you know, Frank always has all these uh, TV shows and stuff he likes to talk about. And uh, I don't have that many, but I remember watching the Band of Brothers. Probably some of you have seen it. It's a true story about a unit, an um, uh, airborne unit during World War II. And Winters was the commanding officer. And by the way, he was a believer, in, and he was a Mormon from Lancaster, and uh, not a Mormon. a Mennonite Mormon oh, sorry <laughs> he, was a, he was a Mennonite. Now, Mennonites, just for you to understand, Mennonites are, are different than the, the Amish, because the Mennonites were the original settlers in that part of the, of the, of the, of the you know the United States. And they believe that you have to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven and that salvation is by grace through faith alone. But then there was a splinter group that went off from the Mennonites that are called the Amish. And they believe works are also necessary for salvation. And, of course, that would make them an apostate group because of their belief. But Winters was a Mennonite. He was a believer in Jesus Christ, and he loved the Lord but one of the, the, of the scenes in that movie, and I know Pastor Frank Jr.'s mentioned this before too, that really grabs your attention is there was a, a, one, of the, one of the men, his name was Blythe, and he was afraid. He was totally afraid. And he wouldn't fight. He'd just sit in his foxhole and quake, and he wouldn't, you know, go out into battle And finally, this one lieutenant was talking to him, and I'm probably messing the line up, but you'll get the point, was talking to him and said, Blythe, here's the problem. You think that there's hope of survival. And he said, the reality is, we're already dead. And we have to understand, brothers and sisters, we're not going to fix the world. The book of Revelation in the Bible is very clear concerning the end times. We don't fix the world As a matter of fact, the world becomes so evil that God takes his church out of the world and his wrath is poured out upon it. So we have to understand it. We're not going to fix the world. And therefore, we can keep our eyes where they need to be on Jesus Christ and serving him. Don't allow yourself to get all caught up in all these things. Well, you know, this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Of course, the latest one is that, um, you know, President Trump's going to be back in office by August 16th or whatever it is. And... Who knows? I don't know anything. But it makes no difference. The fact is, this world is going down an evil, satanic path, and it's going to continue going down it, no matter who is in office. Because the reality is, even the politicians that we love the most, and who we would vote for because they have you know some moral values, they're not necessarily Christians. And so we have to keep our focus on the Lord. Now, in Joshua, verses... Uh, through verse 6 says, These, Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered. Talking about all the nations they had conquered. And so we have to realize that even before they crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land, there were enemies that had to be conquered. And you as a believer, when you're first born again, and maybe where you are right now, I don't know, there are enemies to be conquered before you can move on to maturity. Realize Christianity isn't a joke. Christianity isn't just some kind of philosophy that we have. Christianity is the truth. It's the way, it's the truth and life. And only through Jesus Christ do we have that promise. And so we have to come to a place where we understand it's not a you know it's not about doing this, it's not about doing that. It's about loving Jesus. But I think there are so many Christians that are distracted by the, all the, the, the entertainment of this world, and I don't mean just movies, all the entertainment, all the things of this world, that they lose sight that our real mission is to be evangelists. But really, what do we get caught up in? Oh, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. Now, let me make something very clear, okay? Being a Christian means there's nothing wrong with having fun. Being a Christian doesn't mean there's anything wrong with having activities that you enjoy, all right? But our main purpose as believers is to be his witnesses wherever we go. And therefore, when we initially are saved, when we come in, when we cross over the the, the Red Sea from slavery into the, the, the kingdom of Christ, there are enemies that we have to conquer, and we have to take note of those enemies, and through prayer and through supplication, and through trusting the Lord and and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to have victory over those areas before we can move on to more usefulness to the Lord. It's so important for us to understand. Now, there's another crossing, as we already mentioned, and that's crossing over the Red Sea. And what we're really doing at that point is we're facing our last enemy. You know what our greatest enemy is? Our greatest enemy isn't the Canaanites. Our greatest enemy is self. See, when we're first saved, we leave slavery, and we come into the kingdom of God. We're born again. We're going to go to heaven. But then if we want to be useful to the Lord, we have to cross over uh, the Jordan River, which is crossing over and having victory over self. I mean, really think about it. Everything that most of us do is based on self. How does that make me feel? How does that make me look? How's that da-da-da-da-da? But in reality, the Scripture makes it very clear that our focus should be on others. We need to be others-oriented. And I, I know I've shared this with you before, but uh, General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, and when he was uh, supposed to give a presentation to this huge gathering of Christians, he was too ill to go. And so he sent one of his Uh, men to go uh, for him and uh, he gave him a letter to read to everyone you know all these believers that were there and they were all anticipating you know this is going to be some you know wisdom from God and some pearl that would just fill their hearts with and so the, the the guy got up and he read what William Booth had written and it simply said others We have to be others-oriented, not self-oriented. I've got to have this, I've got to have this, it's doing for me. What can I do to help others that they might come to know Jesus Christ? Now, it's not enough, as I mentioned, to desire salvation. We have to be willing and wanting to move on from that place. Because we have to realize, until we have victory over self, Satan doesn't worry about us he doesn't have any worries about us because our own flesh is doing his work for him. But when we have victory over self, then we are part of of the forward forces of Jesus Christ, moving on into areas in order to be a witness to others. And we're a witness to people wherever we go. And we have to realize that Because so many, you know, you look around, and sometimes you can't tell the difference between Christians and non-Christians. The Christians are doing, you know, what the world does. And we can't be that way. We're supposed to be, according to God's word, a peculiar people. And it doesn't mean you go around going, (laughs) I don't mean that kind of peculiar. We're supposed to be a peculiar people in the sense that our focus is on salvation, our focus is on evangelism, our focus is on living a righteous and holy life. That's where our focus needs to be. And then in verses uh, 7 through 24, and these voices are all about the victories the children of Israel had before they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. And um, as I mentioned before, and so we have to understand that whether we're home, whether we're at work, whether we're at play, wherever we are, we're to be His witnesses. And to think that ministering is just a job of the pastor is to have a wrong concept of your faith. As a matter of fact, my responsibility as a pastor is to equip you for ministry. That's my responsibility. We all have the responsibility of taking the the Word of God to the lost everywhere we go. In Ephesians, if you take notes, chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and it says this And he himself, and I love how that starts in Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And he, it's capital H in your Bible, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors, teachers. And verse 12, it tells us for what reason? For the equipping of the saints for work of ministry. So my responsibility is to equip the saints for work of ministry. And there's nothing that gives me greater joy and to hear how the Lord has used you guys into ministering to others and bringing people into the kingdom of God. Our per- primary responsibility as believers is to be evangelists. You know, we think that's a profession. I mean, there, it, there are some people that are called simply to be evangelists. But are we taking our faith to those around us? You know, this world has become so polluted And so many of of the desires and, 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 you know, just the, the way this world is has encroached on the church. And we are to be different, brothers and sisters. We can't be doing all the things the world is doing and think we're going to be a witness to the world around us. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, the divorce rate among Christians is almost the same as that is among unbelievers. Infidelity, alcoholism, and so forth have crept their way into the church where people think it's okay. You talk to young people and they think, oh, I don't have to save anything for marriage. That doesn't make any difference. We're in love. Well, I'm sure you are, and I hope you are, but the reality is that the word of God is so clear that you know, the, the physical relationship between a husband and wife is God's wedding present. It's not a shower present. It's his wedding present. And so it's important for us to understand that there are standards God has given us. And it becomes more and more difficult in the times we're living. And I'm not just talking about that area, in every area. We are, even as believers, and I'm not pointing fingers just at you, because three or more are pointing back, you know that whole thing. But we're pleasure seekers. We're pleasure seekers. I mean, how many times, and I'm just being honest, how many times have we talked to our spouse or some of our friends, and we say, hey, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, you want to watch something? I don't care. Wanna to go to my I don't know. Got to move. But how often would we say to someone, hey, what do you want to do? And they say, hey, let's have a time of prayer. Hey, let's have a time of going through the Word of God. Hey, let's have a time. But the spiritual seems to be out in the peripheral. When it should be the center of our focus in our life. Whatever we do, what I don't know, I don't know what your particular Uh, You know, profession is. Some of you I do, some of you I don't. It doesn't make any difference what you do as a profession, but your responsibility as a believer is to be evangelist. That is your primary responsibility in sharing your faith to the lost. Now in Joshua 13, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7, but I'm going to be reading verses 1 and 2. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. You know, I've had people say that to me, too. But anyway, and uh, there remains very much yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains, all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Gersherites. And then verses 3 through 7 are all about those borders of those particular lands. And so, it makes no difference what our age is. It makes no difference what our gender is. It makes no difference about any of that. We have a responsibility to serve the Lord. And there's much work for us to be done. Now, um, in verses 8 through 33, it's all about, like I said, the dividing of the land. And there were some tribes that didn't cross over the Jordan, as you recall. They told Moses that they wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan and have their inheritance there. And, of course, Moses was upset with them, thinking your brothers are going to be going into battle as they cross over uh, you know, the Jordan and they face all these other nations. And so the people of these tribes said, we will send our armies, we will go and fight until the battles are over, but we want to settle in this part of the land. And there are a lot of teachings that can be uh, done on on just that, but in Numbers thirty four fourteen it says, for the tribes of the children of Reuben, according to the house of their families, and their tribe, of the children of Gad according to the house of their fathers, have um, received their inheritance. In other words, on the other side, and the half tribe of Manasseh has received its inheritance. Now you say, well, what is the half tribe of Manasseh? It's half the tribe of Manasseh. The other half did cross over, but half the tribe stayed. Now, the land um, was divided so that after Joshua's death, people would know what they were to occupy. God had told them all the land that they were to conquer. And so, Joshua was teaching the different tribes, and each tribe, he said, these are the people you, do, you are to conquer. This is the land you're to occupy. Because As it says, Joshua was old, and he was going to die. And so the people needed to know where they had to go in order to fulfill God's promise of occupying the land of the Canaanites. And we have to understand, God has called each one of us to occupy some part of ministry. It might be different than others. You know, some people are in the worship team, some people preach, some of you are evangelists, some of you are, are, you know, at work, you're God's witness, wherever, whatever it might be. But he's called all of us to serve him. And that's thunder. <laughs> Hallelujah. Maybe it's, two, bye, crew world, here we go. And um, <laughs> But the land that Joshua had told them they were to conquer, they never conquered all the land. And all those areas that they didn't conquer were thorn in their flesh to the end. And how that relates to you and I, we might have been saved crossing over you know, the, the Red, Red Sea, and we might have even come into the promised land of the Jordan. But are there areas in our life we haven't had victory over? Because those areas that you don't have victory over will always come back, will always come back, will always come back. And so we have to make a decision. What is it worth to be fully surrendered to the Lord? Well, I'll tell you what it's worth. Peace, joy, understand? That's what we have when we're fully surrendered to the Lord. We're not worried about this, not worried about that. And I don't care what land God has given other people. What has he given me? What has he given my family? Because sometimes we're jealous of what other people have. There's no need to be. What has God given you? Occupy it and be happy in it and blessed in it. Because once again, self is our greatest enemy. Well, why shouldn't I have this? Or why shouldn't I have that? Or why do they have this and I don't? Well, it doesn't make any difference because guess what? All the material possessions of this world are going to burn. What matters is what our relationship with God is. What has God called you to have victory over in your spiritual walk that you might be useful to him, that you might be a valiant soldier for the Lord? That's what we have to be concerned about. Now, the battles, of course, that we have to fight oftentimes are hard fought, but the blessings are much greater. Every one of us, could stand up, and I'm not going to ask you to, but every one of us could stand up and give testimony of areas of our life that are really hard-fought areas, that are really difficult, that are really hard. But the fact is, in Jesus Christ, you can have the victory. You don't have to be defeated your whole life. You can have the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. If you take over the land or a part of your life, and then somehow with being too lax or whatever, you lose it, you can win it back again. It's different than we're reading here in in Joshua. You can win that land back that you have lost. That's how God is, because he is faithful to us. And if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we need to be willing to follow the Lord wherever he's leading us, no matter what the obstacles might be, that we might be useful to him. Because there are so many blessings he has for us when we're, willing to, when we're willing to take our eyes off of self and all the materialism of this world. You know what I'm saying? You can sit outside in your backyard and listen to the birds. What a blessing. And the fact is, if you think you need to have all these things in order to have peace and fun... You'll never have peace and fun because you'll never have enough things. You know what I'm talking about. The eye's never satisfied, the stomach's never full, Scripture tells us. And so we have to be satisfied with whatever we have. Be content in the situation God has called you, the Word of God tells us. And, um, you know, it's also interesting, in verse 14, it was only the tribe of Levi that was not given any physical inheritance. And why? Because they were giving the ministry of the word of God. They were the ones that were doing the sacrifice for the people of Israel for sin. They were the ones that were calling full-time service to the Lord. And you know what? That was the greatest blessing any of them could have. That was the greatest inheritance any of them could have. And then all the rest of this chapter is about the specific geographical locations that they were to occupy in Israel according to their tribe. And God was very specific that this is the land you're supposed to have. Don't lust after this land or that land. And you know we're not into it right now, but we're going to find there are certain tribes like Dan that weren't satisfied with the land that they were in and they wanted to go north. That's where idolatry started. And, um, but we'll get into that at a later time. Where has God placed you? Be satisfied in it and be content because God will use you. And the, the tools that we have to cultivate where God has called us to is prayer, the reading of his word, and the hearing of his still, still small voice. Because God will speak to you. You might not hear a verse, you know, a word verbally, you know, Frank, I'm talking, but the Lord will speak to you. Sometimes you know that you know in your heart, and that is God speaking to you. And so what he asks of us is simply to surrender and when we surrender he is able to lift us up into new life in him and that life in him that we have is peace and joy not all of the you know i mean to me and and i don't i don't mean to be like i'm on a hobby horse okay but to me sometimes it's so frustrating when christians gather together and all they're talking about is politics and you know, and all these different kind of things that are going on, and, and all this and that, and and uh, you know, pl- pl- it, that makes no difference. This world, I don't know if you've noticed, is falling apart. We are so close to that time that Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. In fact, uh, a lot of you probably watch Amir Safadi. And uh, when we go to Israel, which has been a long, long time since we've been, he's always been our guide. And he's a lieutenant colonel in the IDF. He's a born-again Christian. He's been saved since he was 17. And he does this prophecy update. You can find it. It's called Behold Israel. You can find it on, on you know, YouTube or whatever. And uh, the one we watched last night was only like three hours old or something like that since he, he presented it. And the title of it is... Um, one step closer to Ezekiel 38. And all these nations that are gathering, and it's not only the United States that lost its conservative government, so did Israel. And when Netanyahu was the prime minister of Israel, he had kind of a, a, an agreement with Russia. But now it's new prime minister, that's change. And Russia is allowing things to happen to Israel that they didn't before. And all those, if you want to take time to read Ezekiel 38 when you get home, all those nations that are going to gather together against Israel from the north are there right now. Well, what does that mean to us? Well, the Bible is very clear that when these nations come against Israel, God is going to supernaturally intervene and destroy them and their capital cities and protect Israel. But if you go to the sixth seal... In Revelation, when Ezekiel 38 takes place, when the war of Ezekiel takes place, we're gone. The rapture occurs. He's not appointed us unto wrath, but unto salvation. So we're living in that time, at that moment. I mean, maybe the next clap of thunder, we're going to be out of here, most of us. (laughs) But we're going to be out of here. And so we have to realize the importance of of keeping our focus on the Lord. And in James chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, it says this, you ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. What are you asking for? Verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses. Now understand, he's not talking about physical adulterers and adulteresses here. He's talking about those that are committing spiritual adultery against the Lord. You belong to Jesus. You're his bride. And yet, if you're playing around with all the things of the world and all the philosophies of this world, you're an adulterer or an adulteress spiritually. Do you not know, and it goes on to explain, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, listen, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you you think that Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? The Spirit in us, as believers, yearns to be with the Lord. I'm, I'm jealous of those that are already there. How can you say that? Because I understand this life isn't about this life. This life is about the life to come. The choices we make in this life determines where we will be, where we will spend eternity. There is an eternity, and there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the choices that we make in this life determines whether we go to heaven or whether we go to hell. And there is a vast throng of those who've gone before us who are in heaven, and they're experiencing all the glories of God and of Jesus Christ. Pastor Frank Jr. in the first service was talking about what it's going to be like when we're in heaven. I mean, just the excitement and the praise of it. And so our hearts should yearn jealously for that day. And if our focus is on Jesus Christ and our focus is on heaven, then it becomes a lot easier to ignore all the things in this world that are going to tear you down and take your focus away. And we just serve the Lord. And So, brothers and sisters, I have this question for you to close with, okay? Where are you with the Lord? Have you crossed the Red Sea, but you're still wandering around in the wilderness? Or have you crossed the Jordan? And if you have crossed the Jordan, have you taken all the territory that the Lord has given you? And for some of you, have you even crossed the Red Sea? Have you even crossed over from slavery to sin and death into the the freedom that we have in Christ? Have you crossed over into salvation? And if there are any here who have never been born again, I urge you with all my heart, mind, and soul, to be born again. Because unless you're born again, Scripture says, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that to try to put pressure on anyone or try to point fingers at anyone. I'm saying this totally out of love. I, 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 the worst thought that I can have is that there are people that sit under my teaching and under Pastor Frank's teaching every week that aren't saved that aren't born again, that if they died, they'd go to hell. If the rapture came, they'd be left behind. Make a decision in your heart for the Lord if you have not done that. And if you've been wandering around in the wilderness, cross over into the promised land. And if you decide that you want to make a profession of faith, if you've never made one, I'm here, Pastor Frank's here, you know, Vi's here, Nikki's here, whoever you want to talk to, any of the believers around here, go to someone and ask them to help you go through that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that you might be born again and have eternal life. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name and how thankful we are for your word and all the truth that we find in studying your word. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would give us the joy of entering in fully entering into all of your promises. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us as a fellowship and as a church, and we all would become evangelists, making the most of every opportunity to share our faith, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends. Be careful of the rain. If you have a steel umbrella, don't put it up.